It's showtime! And now, if you'll come this way, I can show you our secret laboratory. You see, we invited distinguished scientists from all over the world to come and work here. Unfortunately, none of them showed up. I have a lump of woozle, his very confusal. I have a lump of woozle, very sly. You are not the first to pass this way, nor shall you be the last. Kanzo? Kanzo? Oh, ha <laughs> uh, sorry, boss. Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here, and welcome to W Radio. Your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 733, and together, as we have been for the past 18 years, we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks around the world, movies, Marvel, Star Wars, and more. Here on the podcast, my weekly live video on Facebook every Wednesday night, events, blog, and more. Please be sure to join the community at www.radio.com clubhouse, subscribe to the podcast, tell a friend, and find everything else at www.radio.com. So we continue our journey to and through Disneyland Paris this week and our 30 reasons to visit Disneyland Paris, the Walt Disney Studios, Disney Village, and resorts. We'll look at its unique experiences, thrilling and chilling sides, aesthetics, and some of our overall favorites. And because I want you to experience Disneyland Paris as well, don't forget about our very special Magical Vacation for Four to Disneyland Paris giveaway going on now until June 25th it's easy to enter for a chance to win a four-day, three-night stay at the four-star Disney's Hotel New York, The Art of Marvel. Four tickets for four days for four people, valid in the two Disney parks. Food vouchers for breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and many more epic surprises. It is the chance to win the trip of a lifetime, and it's easy to enter. Just visit Instagram.com slash Look for the giveaway post, and you can also find full details, terms, and conditions at www.radio.com slash DLP giveaway. And speaking of giveaways and prizes, while it's not a trip to Disneyland Paris, stay tuned for our Disney trivia question of the week, where you can enter to win a Disney prize package and more updates at the end of the show. And we're going to get right into part two of our 30 reasons to visit Disneyland Paris. And if you like what you hear, please share the show and tell a friend. So sit back... Relax and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Let's move, move on. on. All right, well, let's move. I want to move forward, but I want to move back because I, I want to. Uh-huh. I want to quickly mention we were talking about Adventureland and got sidetracked into. Fantasyland, and I think Pirates of the Caribbean uh, actually bears mentioning here. And when we talk about pirates, if you've been to the other overseas park, there is a Pirates which sort of outshines all others, which is in Shanghai. However, this Pirate, and, and the reason why I'm mentioned here, is because it's different than the others in terms of storytelling. Because here, you go forward in time instead of going backwards in time. If you pay close attention to Walt Disney World or Disneyland, the first thing you see are the skeletons and you go back in time into the pirate 
battles and, and the pirate adventures. Here you see the skeletons first and then go back in time as you go back down the waterfall. Um, and there are unique to this version scenes um, here in, in a storyline that I think makes a little bit more logical sense um, as you pass, you know, and then again, you pass the Blue Lagoon restaurant and you have the the fighting pirates and the soldiers and you go back down the waterfall and then you arrive in Dead Man's Cove in the present and you sort of see what became of some of the pirates, including Captain Jack. And then you, when you come out, it almost makes more sense because you've gone through this journey of the world of pirates and then you enter on the dock where, you know, the talking skull is there and then you're in Adventureland proper. Um, I, I really, really like the storytelling and some of the additional scenes in this version of Pirates. Yeah, this was the first time that they could go in and actually build the pirate story. Um, Disneyland, of course, was built into an area that was already built. Walt Disney World was shoehorned in there because everybody demanded it. Tokyo Disneyland was just, hey, we're going to take the exact versions of Disneyland and Disneyland Paris or Disney and Walt Disney World and kind of mash them together to make the same type of attraction. This was, we are going to build our own attraction. We are going to tell the story as it should be told. Um, famously, Tony Baxter and Mark Davis had beef. Uh, I think that story goes way back to the early days. And this, I felt, was Tony Baxter going, hey, Mark, here is your story as you wanted it told with the skeletons in the right place. Uh, I mean, some of the, the highlights, the dueling pirates, which was the first of its kind there. And one of the things that we all seem to forget in this day and age is when you are up during the battle, there's a pirate swinging overhead that, that was the first animatron animatronic, I'm doing air quotes, um, that would swing over your head. And I forgot all about that. When I was growing up and hearing the stories of Disneyland Paris, that was one of the coolest things I ever wanted to see. And it wasn't until I was sitting on the boat and I look up and I see this pirate just kind of swinging back and forth. I was like, oh, that was so cool. But yeah, this Pirates of the Caribbean is it, as, it is the best, truest Pirates of the Caribbean. Agree. I really liked that I was un, I was I was able to to follow the story of what was happening, which I hadn't been able to do in the Walt Disney World uh, version. And I, I do love, b before going to Paris, the one in California had been my favorite Pirates, but this one definitely takes the cake because it kind of takes the scenes that we already love and reorders them in a way that makes more sense. Um, as you mentioned before, it, it, it kind of takes you through. You're a part of this story and you're kind of watching it at the same time, which I think is really cool. And at the end, it combines in, I mean, to me, it's how I saw it is you kind of take this journey from the top of a fort to ground level to below ground level. Um, and it's sort of a visual story you're able to follow. And at the end, they do the Disney World version of Captain Jack in the jewels and the whatever, but really open it up, which I appreciated a lot visually because 
you're able to go around the scene. You get to take in a lot more detail, um, which I thought was really cool. And it's definitely also more thrilling. It's It has some of those thrill ride elements more than the ones that I'm used to. The I, If I remember correctly, there's more than one drop and it's like an actual drop, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I think this Pirates is my second favorite now. It just kind of moved out the Disneyland Pirates down to third place, which I hate saying that, but it does. It has more thrilling elements and it, to me, it is more visual. Um, I, I think that it's, uh, it's definitely worth writing four or five times if you can do it, because again, it's it's one of those where your head is turning around on an axis because you're trying to see everything and you're not going to get every single detail until you look in different locations and sometimes looking behind you, um, which is really bad when you're going down a waterfall and you get completely wet. But <laughs> I, I think that, again, this edges out the Disneyland Pirates for me ever so slightly. Again, another reason we have to go back. One more reason. This is 11 to 17, yeah. 19. I don't know what number. We've completely lost track of numbers. It doesn't matter. Um, and it's interesting. Notice that when we're talking about a lot of these things, we're not necessarily, this is one of the few instances we're talking about a specific attraction because I want to go to the aesthetic of Discovery Land, which I think is one of the smartest lands, certainly from a quote unquote, you know, the futuristic land because it solves the Tomorrowland conundrum, right? It solves the Tomorrowland being dated problem with this idea of the retro future, right? So Disney is faced with this challenge. How do we create something that doesn't date itself quickly and also can maybe tie into some of the other areas of the park? One, they didn't want the French to be like, well, you're just giving us another clone of Disneyland. And I think Eisner wanted to build something that was a little bit different and and start with something fresh, but was inspired by the concept of Discovery Bay, which was an abandoned concept for Disneyland. And that's why they had things like the Visionarium, which obviously is, is no longer there. But if you look in these, this, this neon and, and bronze and sort of antique, some might call it steampunk type aesthetic. If you look and see, there are different areas represented with different themes. So if you look at the Orbitron, it it takes its inspiration from the Renaissance um, artists and inventors like uh, Da Vinci, Space Mountain and the Nautilus and the Hyperion Cafe, which again is, is very clearly based on some of that Discovery Bay concept art takes more inspiration from Jules Verne and that that Victorian science fiction era, right? Island at, at the top of the world. Where Le Visionarium was was the art deco of the 20s and the, the, the 30s. The Autopia is based on some of that ray gun type gothic of the 50s and 60s. And where Star Tours is, is more of a more modern look at sci-fi. If you go into the back of, of, of Discovery Land, it's the present sort of version of futurism, right? It's, it's minimalist, it's industrial, it's, it's futuristic, very sort of like not inspired directly by Star Wars, but some of the aesthetic that we had from the 70s and 80s 
um, visions of the future. So I think that there's a great, not single story, but multiple genres and time periods that are represented here in a land that aesthetics, the aesthetics blend perfectly, not just within the confines of Discovery Land, but as they expand out, like we said earlier, into even the stage, which has some of those bronze and 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 uh, elements, you know, the wrought iron, the the bronze and metal elements to it, right next to Sleeping Beauty Castle. So I need that in a brochure, because as much as I love Discovery Land, to me it it, it was a mishmash. Um, I never looked at it like the eras and you know, the futuristics all put together. Uh, I love Discovery Land. Nautilus, uh, I would love, 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 love if I could go back in time to the heyday when it was still Discovery Mountain, Space Mountain, where it wasn't this horrible Star Wars overlay that just kneels on a chalkboard, that overlay for me. Uh, the Buzz Lightyear attraction, which is exactly a clone of Disneyland. Um, you know, I understand as with every attraction needs to move forward, but there are times where I look at that and go, that was the, hey, we need we need the quantity over the quality. But it is a beautiful land when you put on blinders and block out some of the things like the Buzz Lightyear mass neon green white and purple display um star tours fits very well in that back area but then right next to you have mickey's fill her magic which again was a hey we we need something instead of captain eo we need to throw that in there but i loved the aesthetics of the land the the feel and I didn't get a chance to go to Disneyland Paris before I saw the the bastardized version that ended up at Disneyland. So to me, I, I compare things to Disneyland as opposed to where I should be. This is the work of art. Disneyland was the failure. Um, and I only say that because it, it's been admitted as a failure. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, you look at the things as you walk in, the rock work, the detail, the Hyperion Cafe for me is the most amazing. It's just a quick service. I mean, they have a stage. I don't know what they were doing when you guys were there, but they were showing the Mickey Mouse shorts, which felt completely out of place. But you walk in under the Hyperion airship and it the details are all still there. It, it's just kind of, you know, sadly, some of it's lost its its direction. Yeah, we walked in and we're surprised, like, you know, again, Marion coming from the a, a stage background, you don't realize that this quick service restaurant is is part of this cavernous, very modern, like, you know, full stage theater that obviously once housed, um, you know, it housed it, this, go ahead. It, yeah, I, I, when I walked in, I had a very interesting reaction because to me, that's just, it was an anomaly to me to see such a, I mean, you could tell their technology was fairly new. I wouldn't say it was brand. I wouldn't say it's Disney's standard now of just from what I've observed, what they use 
currently on their in their stage productions but you could tell it wasn't like from when the park opened and after doing a little bit of research that particular venue which is huge and gorgeous um used to they had a kind of i forget the name of it now um they had like a kind of disco-y rock thing that was meant to appeal to teens and the younger not younger audience not like kids but like that sort of middle age um but since that that kind of didn't do well so they pivoted to a lion king um show they had a mulan show in there they had a few other sort of known and loved safe things in that theater but ultimately um ended up being the jedi training academy stage for a time so they just left the lion king rock work Mm -hmm. and now it does still have those uh mickey mouse shorts which i also was like okay so this is like the pre-show like people are sitting lining up there's gonna be something i would like what i would give to see something on that stage because it's gorgeous um and the the theming of the actual venue that's now the quick service restaurant is super super interesting i remember you said it, it was like old concept art for something that i don't fully understand but um on a fully cosmetic level um, I really, really loved it. And it, I, I kind of thought it was a shame that it wasn't being used for a stage production. But we'll get into the spectacular stage production that I do love, I guess, later. Um, but from a purely cosmetic standpoint, I am a huge, huge fan in of the Discoveryland aesthetic. I think that it does age so much better. I think the jewel-toned, mixed metal, antique look sort of lends itself to eventually I hope that they do expand on that idea and they do create, I mean, I'd love to see a new attraction with that idea, even if it's something original, um, because I think it's a really smart concept. I personally love the queue and the concept for space mountain there so much more than the Tomorrowland one. Personally, the star Wars doesn't really, it's not my thing. Um, but from a just totally like photogenic standpoint it bleeds better into fantasy land and the castle and it just looks it looks really nice i love it so we were talking earlier about um disneyland i think disneyland paris appeals to different people with different interests and whether it's adults and kids and one of the things that i noticed too and i think is a reason to visit as well is if you are a if you're a roller coaster enthusiast, uh, Disneyland Paris has not one, not two, not three. Disneyland Paris has a lot of different roller coasters. Avengers Assemble Flight Force, which is the fastest ride at Disneyland Paris, which is in the back lot of Walt Disney Studios Park in the new uh, Avengers Campus. We just mentioned Star Wars Hyperspace Mountain, Indiana Jones and the Temple of per- Temple of Peril, Crush's Coaster. Um, which we didn't get a chance to ride, but Becky, oh. when we were the, I, listen, there was only so much time. Um, uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, um, and we also didn't get a chance to do the uh, the RC Racer in Toy Story Land. But if you are in in, in the studios, but if you are a roller coaster fan, and and um, I loved their Big Thunder here, by the way, too. Yeah, their Big Thunder is by far, you know, Big Thunder in almost every other Disney park is kind of a, hey, we'll hit it when we do. 
that one in Disneyland Paris is a rope drop. Um, the queue, the attraction, because you go under the water, you get amazing views of Frontierland. That one is one that I will always rush to. Um, and I know everybody else will have an addition for the Big Thunder, but I do have to talk about one of the coasters you left off really quick. The Casey Jr. train. That is a coaster. I guess, yeah. I mean, I have it, it as a is. separate entry, but I guess it's a coaster. It's like a, it's like a barnstormer, mm-hmm. kind of, but like a scenic barnstormer. So wait, Becky, I have you also actually, agree. Becky, have you actually it, written it here? Because it's different than Casey Jr. in Disneyland. No, I didn't get a chance to write it. So ah. it's, yeah, so it, it just, is really a coaster because it's sort of like, you're right, it's like a barnstormer. Yeah, and... Casey Jr. in Disneyland was originally designed to be the original coaster for Disneyland, but they could never get it all together. So when they built it a few years after the park opened in Paris, they said, hey, we are going to make it more of a barnstormer type coaster to the point where if you look at the mechanics of it as you're coming up, it is a coaster track. It it has the brake zones. It has everything. But again, it goes around Storybook Land. I am not trying the French names either, Lou. Um, <laughs> so it gives you a great view. And actually, you go around Cinderella Castle, which is unique there. And you get to see down into Storybook Land, which, judging by what you've said so far, Lou, I'm guessing you didn't do that either because no, you were a failure. It's on. It is. Excuse me, sir. It is a separate okay. entrance because we loved it that much. Okay, making sure, because that one is one of my favorites. Okay, back to Big Thunder. Sorry. That's it. That's all I had was just the, just okay. the, the, the roller coasters. Um, all right, we can, we can move on. Becky, now you have to go and see. Um, you're going to have to go and ride Casey Jr. with children. It's going to be awesome. Great. I'll go live. It's going to be perfect. Um, I ride it without the children, too, Becky. <laughs> All right, I'm, I want to move on. This is really going to be a twofer, and I'll explain the second part of it. And Marion, the Lion King, Rhythm of the Pride Lands, may be some of the best 30 minutes that you spend at Disneyland Paris. Uh, Marion, I will, you, I have not seen you react and respond to something the way that you did this show. So I did not expect. It, I did not expect to have the reaction to the show that I I did. So the first day we went, we realized it was probably smart to get the reserve a seat ticket, which I don't remember how much it was, but you can you skip the line basically. And the line was really long, bled into the other lands long. Um, and so we're like, okay, it must be something worth noting. So we went and it was a an interesting theater um was not in the round like the traditional Lion King here it was sort of like it was a very oh how do I describe this it was just a regular proscenium stage I guess um and after the quite long uh audience warm-up that they did (laughs) which did last a lot longer than I was expecting I was very confused um they when they opened the curtain this stage was massive and like outstanding. Um, I didn't expect, I I don't want to spoil all of like the cool uh, stage. Mufasa dies. They have, uh, don't say that, it's a spoiler. Um, Spoiler. 
Yeah, seriously. Um, but see, the thing is, he does, but in a different way. Yeah. They took the Lion King story and like the amount of times that you've seen Lion King retold, you haven't seen it retold this way. I it, they almost concertified it a little bit, made it into a concert, and they and they did it still maintaining the story. They did it revamping the characters through costume. It was very it, it, I was, I don't, I don't even have the words to describe it. Um, it was incredibly well done. The dancing was magnificent and the tricks are not the same ones that you see in the festival of the Lion King in Disney world. They had these spiral things. They didn't have silks. They had these, the best way I could describe it is like the pencil in Cirque du Soleil. Um, it was it was really really magnificent. I was a huge fan. Their lighting rig. I won't get into the <laughs> the lighting rig technical terms. I was very impressed by their lighting. They kind of integrating the the new technology of the the operatorless spots, which I never liked, but they did it in a really great way. There was so many lights in this show. I could not believe it. Um, and some of their effects were really spectacular. The dance numbers were creative. The costumes were unlike things I'd seen before where they're sort of modernized. And they're it's almost as if they were Disney bounding the characters, but in a very <laughs> tasteful way. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, 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 have you not seen it? Mm-mm, I haven't. Yeah. <gasps> It was so good. It was there was an there was so much more automation than I expected. This to me could have been a Broadway level production, but it's included with your park admission. Like I was, I was floored. I was truly floored. It, it's Festival yeah. of the Lion King meets Lion King on Broadway meets Cirque du Soleil with some additional. Like I love the percussionists. Uh, and See, the audio I, I, too, and the the this this has this amazing three hundred sixty degree audio technology, which was like like only like the third or fourth theater to ever have it in there. So the sounds in this space were spectacular as well. See, I wouldn't even say though that it's a cross between all of those things. To me. I do not think that's a fair judgment to say. I think that this is different. This is something that you haven't seen before. It's the songs that you love with some of the Broadway songs, um, but it's told in a very different way. Well, I say Legend I of Lion love. King because there's there's dancers and acrobats, and and that's where sort of some of the 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 Cirque element comes in. So it's not just like a Broadway show, and it's not sort of the theater in the round with Festival of the Lion King, but has some of those performative elements and also has a little bit of, like you said, the acrobatics from something like Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. yeah it, my jaw was on the floor. It was great. It was an amazing show. Uh, sadly, I go into everything thinking about work. So I sat there and videoed, but there were definitely times where I could just go like, I, I would just be in awe. It, it is a beautiful show. Uh, definitely Disneyland Paris ups the game when it comes to entertainment. They they do a great job. I don't know if you're going to talk about the Street Hub show that I'm not going to try to mispronounce in French, <laughs> uh, but that is by far one of my all-time favorite things. But this Lion King show, as Marion was saying, the line was ridiculous when we went. We uh, had special VIP seating, so we had the great view. But to watch the line... And people would be in line for 
the next show already waiting for the hour and a half in between shows because it is that good. Which brings me to the second part of this show. When we went there, the line was incredibly long and we learned about something called secure your seat where you can purchase a seat for the show. And what I like about this is you pick your time, you pick the show that you want to go to, you arrive, you know, early, you skip the entire line, you get admitted into the theater first. So you get reserved seating in a reserved seating area. You pick your seat where however low or high you want to be. Marion, I think it was what, $15 or so per person. It was around there, something it like was that. The best, um, and if you're, yeah, it was yeah, the best money we spent. If you're a live entertainment person, it's something I would definitely consider. Um, Cause it, we did get pretty great seats also. So, and I, I did, I, um, I actually went live from here. So if you go, I'll link to it in the show notes, but if you go to, um, facebook.com slash WW radio, there should be the video in there from, um, the rhythm of, of the pride lands show. All right. I want to start moving at a little bit of a faster pace because I said it wasn't going to be a three hour show and we're approaching a two hour show. Um, we mentioned the storybook land canal, the storybook canal boats. I will not try and pronounce it, but I did actually break this out as a separate entry because I really like this. Uh, it was slightly different than the Disneyland version in that there's no tour guide. You have no live cast member narrating the story, but you have like beautiful landscaping and charming music and these very detailed uh, replicated settings and models using a scale of like one inch to one foot that are, are painstakingly detailed. Um, and it's scenes from uh, Seven Dwarfs, um, the, the Gingerbread House, uh, the Rapunzel's Tower from Tangled, the Old Mill, Little Mermaid, the Greek Temple and Mount Olympus from Fantasia, Peter and the Wolf, Night on Bald Mountain scene from Fantasia with Chernabog was spectacular. And you go in, you are swallowed into the Cave of Wonders and, and Agrabah and, and there's jewels and, and Abu is in there, Sword in the Stone, Bell's Village. And the surprise was the Emerald City and Witch's Castle from The Wizard of Oz and Return to Oz. But I, I think Storybook Land Canal Boats is, it is, it's a, I think it's a must do at Disneyland Paris. I yeah, think the I only thing I, oops, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Please. The only thing I wanted to add that I thought was um, interesting is unlike the one in uh, Disneyland, this one has miniature characters in some of the scenes, which was a detail that, that was very cool. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, this is one of the attractions that I, again, I was very excited for. And when I finally made it over there, when you hit Night on Bald Mountain, Chernabog's one of my favorite characters that that sequence the the entire city or town is right there and everything leading up to the final part i was just in awe of and then all of a sudden you see the emerald city um and this is the emerald city from the wizard of oz books which okay that's great but the fact that the baroque hoedown is playing <laughs> as you come up to the emerald city just blew my mind. I got off and yelled at my friend who had been on it. He's like, I didn't, why didn't you tell me that I'd have to suffer through the electric <laughs> light parade on this attraction one more time? But yeah, that that is a must do. 
And you know what? I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have jumped ahead because when we were talking about the skip the line pass, it, it actually made me think about something else that was on my list and a reason to go and a, a really good tip for when you go. Instead of free fast passes that were available in, in Paris up to about 2021, Disneyland Paris has something called Disney Premier Access, which is it's available for purchase on the website and the app which is is a little bit different than some of the other iterations of FastPass, Lightning Lane, Genie Plus, call it whatever you will, because it allows you to walk onto an attraction without any planning ahead of time. There's two different types of passes. There's a Premier Access Ultimate, which allows you to ride each one of the 15 different attractions one time whenever you choose. Um, and these range from about... $90 per person to about $120 or euros per person. There's also the Premier Access One, which is a one-time pass for a single attraction, and you can buy it for whichever attraction that you want. So um, the Premier Access One gives you all the attractions. The other one lets you purchase it individually. You don't have to worry about choosing a time slot. Um, you can... You can also, depending if you're going on it for a number of days, you can actually see what the cost of the access is. So you might want to be able to choose a day that is um, cheaper if you want. And you can stack, right? So if you want to do a Premier Access Ultimate Pass and then do Premier Access do uh, Premier Access 1 for any additional attractions, you can do that too. We had it, Becky, when we went. We did it again this time when I was with Marion. Um the benefits of being able to skip the queue, if you have young kids, being able to ride on demand, like whenever you choose, helps you make the most of limited time. It's a great ride selection. You can stack it with extra magic hours if you're staying at a resort. Um, I think I felt it was very, very, very well worth the money. It's a I, great addition. I love the way that they do this on the on the uh, Premier Access One. And the one thing I just want to add, Lou, is that if you're doing a package, if you buy a hotel package and tickets, you can actually add it before. Okay. You don't have to use the app. You don't have to do it day of. You can actually add it to your package. So it's all set up for you when you get there. Yeah, I, I had a chance because I went for the D23 event for the 30th and that was added onto the package. Um, it it is a great way to make the most of a short amount of time. Um, Becky, I, I'm not trying to say don't do this, but one of the things that I have learned is Disneyland Paris is very much a local park. Um, so if you go during the middle of the week, there are times where there is no line for anything. So the the cost can be good and can can no matter what, if you want to make the most of your time, do the premier access. That is the best thing you can do. You're waiting for my rebuttal, right? No, I saw your face. Of, but, uh, no, it, it is no, just, a good thing is though, is it? Yeah, you're right. But it's like the other, it's like Disneyland in a way, which is a local park, but you can't really um, predict Yes, What's exactly. going to happen? So if you're leaving from the U.S. and you've got this this uh, plan to go to Disneyland Paris, personally, I'm that person that I would rather not chance it. 
Um, just add it into the package. Don't even think about it. It's part of, of your experience. And then you could just walk on past everybody who's waiting yeah. or nobody who's waiting. It's just totally at your, uh, at your whim. And I kind of wish that we had, you know, when we were there, um, Lou, we wanted to go back on Phantom Manor and the line was incredibly long and we couldn't wait that long. And we only were able to go once that trip because that's all we had access for. So I, I just would say, don't leave it to chance when it's your vacation, just package it in, have it ready for you if you need it. Yeah. And Becky and everybody over to MEI travel are the best people. They know all the answers. Um, <laughs> I, When I went, as I said, I did one day without and one day with, and that one day with was so relaxing as opposed to the, um, you know, checking the line, wait times for everything. So make sure you go through somebody who is experienced when you're booking these vacations, as always. And uh, Becky and her team definitely know what they're doing. Well, and the nice thing, too, is we were able to, to use it. You know, we use it for Phantom Manor early in the day, and then we went back at night when there was no line. You know, so you can you can get up to the front and see if there's a five minute wait or a fifty five minute wait, and then determine if you want to use it or save it for something else. Um, all right, quickly going through the other thing I wanted to mention. I, I was going to mention Fantasyland as a whole. I really like the Fantasyland here, but I really, really loved uh, the the newly renovated. It's a small world, uh, Becky. We had missed it when we were there. It had just reopened on May 5th. The facade, the figures, the interior are absolutely gorgeous. It is, I think it is far and away the most beautiful small world of of any of the small worlds worldwide. Um, There are new figures, um, including some figures um, using in, in, in wheelchairs and things like that. And even that finale scene is spectacular when you sort of go in, into the into the white room and, and the finality scene but Marion you and I said the same thing like we were really 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 impressed with the, the 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 small world area the exterior the interior like every part of it yeah so going along with what you said about the fantasy land the world building specifically in that land was really spectacular even with the colors it sort of bled through the entire land created a really beautiful just really beautiful finish on everything. Um, and that specifically was true for small world, which had the, the pinks and the, the blues of uh, similarly, to, I guess more to the California one, cause our small world doesn't really have that pretty exterior here. Um, but I'd say for inside, it definitely helped that it had just been renovated. So things were pristine, new coats of paint on everything. The carpets were vacuumed. There was no dust. Like it was practically shimmering. Um, But I have to say, like, it was just it was first really cool to see America um, in the small world, because obviously we don't really see it like that. Uh, in the States. So seeing like the Hollywood sign and stuff like the key American things, I thought was really funny. Um, but it just all in all, it was, it, it definitely is my favorite small world there. And the, the area they, that they had just finished um, outside where they had the new Italian restaurant, the new bathrooms, which 
they were my favorite bathrooms in Disneyland. I that highly is a recommend conversation we'd have to have one. The be- yes, the best bathrooms I think in Disneyland Paris were those ones, brand new. Um, and it said that there was a gelato place. It wasn't open when we went, but I believe that there is supposed to be one there. Um, I really love just that whole section of the park. It's kind of tucked away and hidden like a lot of parts of Disneyland Paris. You have to check out a map to really see the little nooks and crannies, but very cool. Yeah, it's a small world uh, for me. The first time I went, it was closed. And then they had just reopened it the second time. And again, it was closed just because I was there a few weeks before you. But that I grew up going to its small world in California. So that was taking the small world in California and expanding it even more. Um, I do also love the America section. It was one of those things that always made me laugh of how glitzy and glamorous it was. And then I was like, I'm going home to sit in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, no. Um, But that is one of those beautiful attractions that as as you know, Disney park fans, we may go, Oh, it's just, it's a small world. There is not a single attraction at Disneyland Paris. You should go, Oh, I've been on this. I don't need to, because they take everything to the next level. So next on my list and you're, you may be saying, why has it taken him so long to get here is I think the first time we're going to mention food and it's, it's almost less, what you eat as opposed to where, because Walt's, an American restaurant, is reason to go and visit. And I think it's absolutely, it's it's a must, must do at Disneyland Paris. It's, it's, it's described as six magical worlds in one re- restaurant, and you might not necessarily understand what that means, but it is... So cuisine-wise, it's contemporary American cuisine with a little bit of European influences and a little bit of uh, and a lot of Walt influences. But in terms of it's sort of set against the backdrop of some of Walt's finest ro- moments in rooms themed to reflect the different worlds of Disneyland Park. So you enter the lobby, you get you go up these steps to these or take the elevator of framed images of. Walt, and you see that there is a fantasy land room, an adventure land room, a discovery land room, which I loved with the, the Jules Verne influence on discovery land and illustrations from some of his books and this beautiful fireplace with this golden model of the Nautilus. There's a smaller Disneyland hotel room. There's a Grand Canyon room and a Frontierland themed room. Um, there's a special 30th anniversary menu going on right now, but obviously the the for me, there was like nothing else that I would choose other than Walt's chili. Um, but each of the menu items has a story behind it and was inspired by Walt or by Lillian. And like every other table service restaurants in Disneyland Paris, all of the Disneyland Paris table service restaurants are prefixed which means they have a set price for a starter main course and dessert. And usually there's another one that has one with wine included. This was about 55 euros or so. Mary, we went for dinner, right? We went for dinner one night. Uh, we were able to get a reservation. And I just I just love 
the the tribute to Walt, the theming, the photographs, the the artifacts that are in there. Um, and Becky and I, we had, we had gone when we first visited Disneyland Paris um, a couple of months ago. I love this place. It is like one of the must-dos for me is, is Walt's Restaurant um, with all of the history on the walls and the bust of Walt when you walk in. And um, it just feels really homey. And okay, I know a lot of people are like, yeah, the menu. I love the menu. I thought it was fanciful and fun to do, do the deconstructed chili, which was really cool to play with. And um, and the uh, the chicken pot pie appetizer. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I, I kind of looked up and said, could I have this also? Could, could you bring me four of these? <laughs> Mickey, as my, shaped, my Mickey shaped chicken pot pie. Yes, exactly. It was fun. Um, I, I really enjoyed this restaurant. It's the place that I would go back over and over and over again. And, and one thing, as you're talking about food, I do want to mention too, uh, as a side that Disneyland Paris does have great dining plans that you can add into your packages as well. They have what they call the breakfast plan, the half board plan and the full board plan. And what that means uh, is a European terminology. A half board means breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and a full board means breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So if you're looking at packages, um, these can be added to your package and include uh, these um, restaurants, the sit-down restaurants and the quick service restaurants and so forth. So it really does have a, a great approach to dining in, in the parks, uh, which can be used, of course, at the um, hotels as well. But out of them, waltz with the chicken pot pie all day long. Bring it on. Yeah, I ate at Waltz this last visit for my first time. And it actually is because of your guys' visit the first time after the ABD trip. I looked at that and I was like, I need to get in there. Uh, luckily, I was set in the Frontierland area, which is the back corner. But I have pictures of every single room, every single little detail, because it, it is a tribute to the park. It is everything you love in one space. Uh, I The food was great. The view, we sat right next to the window so we could look out and watch as the parade went by, which was really amazing. The service was great. Uh, I don't, if you make it before the end of this anniversary, hopefully they still have it, but they had a 30th anniversary Walt's restaurant pin Mm -hmm. that the person I was dining with and I, without a doubt, before we even (laughs) put it on, was like, we want one of these pins. And they're not tradable. They're not, you know, it's just, it is such a classic little piece of history for those who go there. I had to have one. I was the same way when I I think we sat down and there was a little flyer on the, Mm -hmm. on the table. It's like one of these, uh, that's, I'll worry about what I'm eating later. I just need that pin. I have to say that the view specifically and just like the decorations alone are a reason to visit. To me, it was very reminiscent of the Club 33 um, vibe in terms of quality of service um, and just sort of like that old timey, cool Victorian era, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, 
while you were going around taking a picture of like, this was Walt's toothpick or whatever, <laughs> I thought that the, the me as like an art student, no, genuinely, like, you know, this was Walt's chili can idea. Anyway, um, I have to say as an artsy person, the use of color and pattern in this restaurant, mm-hmm. that was all yeah. I took pictures of. I created an album on my phone called like cool patterns because they're wallpapers, they're carpeting, all of that. I know I sound probably crazy to you right now, but I literally went up and took close up. That's my version of Walt's toothpick was the <laughs> cool wallpapers, um, like the cool, a different, just pretty things. It's and, and each room, if you look up at the ceiling, the way that the ceiling is constructed, the different light fixtures, those mm-hmm. little details, that's what I appreciate is the attention to detail and, and commitment to theme in each one of the different rooms. Marion, I, I love that. And don't you think it would be a good idea if Marion wrote like a little blog post about that and shared her pictures so I can post them on the site? Wouldn't that be great? You never asked. I just look well, because so I just. How would I know that? Well, because now you just told me. So and I will. Marion, you can call it Walt's toothpick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I actually, <laughs> I titled the album already "The Patterns of Paris," and I took p- oh. pictures of the patterns Ooh, throughout. Wow. Like I listen. Okay, <laughs> I can call stay it tuned, Walt's toothpick. Stay tuned for Marion's you know first it, blog post coming soon. You know what it reminded me of? It just kind of hit me. Um, Club 33 in, in Tokyo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yes, the yeah. colors, the the design, it really does look a lot like that. Yes, Becky was, was kind enough me to take me connecting to... Connecting the dots for you all. I know. It's <laughs> like, wait, but I don't, I don't remember mm-hmm. seeing... I, I haven't I even see, been there, so... I haven't seen a toothpick in, in there, so um, maybe we are missing something. Okay, wait. We, I, I want. We're listen. off the rails now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got like 15 minutes, Walt, uh, Lou. Well, well, you just, your toothpick. All right. So let's. Uh, we're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna speed things up a little bit. When we're, we're talking about dining, I think the mm-hmm. other, my favorite dining experience in in Disneyland Paris, where you're going, was Pim Kitchen. Yep. Pim Kitchen is some of the best dining you'll have in park anywhere. Is the most fun and Disney like. Take this inspiration and put Please. it on Disney Cruise Line because it is a buffet. It's a huge buffet. It is a massive, massive buffet. But in the idea of Pim Test Kitchen from, from the films, things are some things are super, super tiny, and they have other things that are super huge. So you can get this mini, itty, teeny, beat, like little two-inch hot dog right next to this giant, like two-foot-long hot dog that they cut into pieces. There's mini sliders and giant hamburgers. More and importantly, the food was, was delicious. It's like, yeah. well, it's like four times bigger than your head. Which and they bring you <laughs> the giant pretzel as an appetizer. Yep. And it, it really was the best dining experience that I had over there. Yep. Yeah. And it was dad's first, you know, he had never heard of a Madeline cookie in his whole life, did not know what a Madeline cookie was. And they had the tiny Madelines and he had, I was like, dad, try this. And he's like, Hi. what's that? Ooh. Never heard yeah. of them. And he had his first one in France at I don't know what age. I yeah, know. there I'm, you go. I'm, you uncultured swine. I know. All right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the mini Madelines were the best thing there. Just saying. No, There's a lot chick- of good stuff there. The, the chicken wings were good. The mm-hmm. slider was delicious. The sliders are great. Jambalaya the was really good. The desserts, oh, the, the Oreo 
slices. Yeah. Like, it was also really, good. really good. Um, I'm hungry now. One of the things that I really like, I was blown away and maybe I was caught up in the moment and, and I, and I know I try and avoid like relative hyperbole when I can, but possibly the best of the best of the best nighttime shows takes place at Disneyland Paris. You, where you get not one, but two, the Disney D light show takes place in the evening in front of sleeping beauty castle is by all definitions, the, the the word unique because it features hundreds of choreographed dr- drones in the sky that are synchronized in this beautiful ballet to some of your favorite Disney songs and creates patterns and shapes in the sky over the castle using elements of the castle. It is, it is breathtaking and awe inspiring and, and I'm being like, yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off that really quick. The D light is amazing. But again, when we all go next year, we have to go when Avengers Power of the Night is going on over at Walt Disney Studios, where they bring Spider-Man to life with yeah. drones. They have Cap Shield fly out. That show was the the best show I've ever seen. Disney D light those drones brought a tear to my eye when they do the old uh, comet shot over Mm -hmm. the castle slowly. And it's just like, you know, we are living what used to be the opening of the Disney VHSs. It's yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's um, it's unique to, to anything that we've ever seen before. And that leads right into the Disney dream show um, on the castle which look, we we've seen projection shows, we've seen firework shows. This one is special. It, it is a true spectacle, and it's a story because Peter Pan's shadow guides you through Disney stories from past and present. But it includes everything: its fireworks, its projections, its water, its laser, its music, its light, its fog effects, its pyrotechnics. It is nothing short of breathtaking right with the the water displays you know are are almost evoke you know world of color type vibes the colors are brilliant and beautiful and everything is cho- is is choreographed in this in this well balanced symphony that is it, it hits on all the emotional notes and Disney Dream is much like Happily Ever After here at Walt Disney World, where it went away years ago, but it was such a fan favorite. They just brought it back at the start of the, the 31st year of the park um, that debuted that night. And it drew such a crowd from everywhere around because it is a favorite. It It's one of the early projection shows. But like Lou said, the story is there, the music, the the touching moments that tug on the heart are perfect for that. I've always loved how Disneyland Paris has woven the technology before any other parks. Uh, the projection shows that occurred or the, I started, I saw it for the very first time from my room in the Disneyland hotel at three o'clock in the morning, they were testing the projections on the castle 
it was, I had never seen anything like that before. I just had heard, all of a sudden we heard music and heard stuff and woke up and shot out of bed at 3 a.m. and looked out the curtains. And sure enough, they were testing. And it was like, wow, this is amazing technology. And I was, we were specifically asked not to post photos of it at the time, which was kind of interesting or or to share photos. Um, So I love to know that, when we saw drones used a few years ago, right over in, in Disney Springs, that excitement of, Hey, we should probably, we're looking forward to seeing what this can do later on, seeing what they're doing with it in Disneyland Paris has hope that maybe we'll see something like that come over to the States. But until then it's a must see. It is mind blowing. It is jaw dropping. It, you can't believe what you're seeing in front of you. And it's again, another reason to have to go. Yeah. It's uh, even the selection of, of music and, and music. characters and projections. It just. It, and it, how, like you're saying on the other side, how they wove in the water effects and the pyro effects for, from my old pyrotechnic days that how they uh, do that and weave them together, much like they do in world of color. It makes you stop and, really admire the technology that goes on behind it. Yeah, I didn't I broadcast those live as well. Again, if you go to Facebook.com slash WW Radio, you can find those there. All right. A couple of things very, very quickly I want to go through. Um shopping. Th- it, there is a lot of it. Uh one of the reasons why I mentioned it, especially in Disneyland Paris, is because the shopping is unique to each land. Really, really well themed shops. Mary, we spent a lot of time in that one shop in Fantasyland that was themed after uh Brave Little Taylor, um, same thing with Willie, the giant up in there. They also have the shopping service um, where they will deliver um, your packages either to the front of the park or to your hotel later on that night, which we took advantage of so we didn't have to walk around with them. Very quickly, any comments about shopping, boys or girls? I love the shopping there. Like you said, there is so many good themes. Um, across from the shop you guys were talking about in Fantasyland, they have the Seven Dwarfs Cottage built as a facade inside. Yeah. So you walk in and it's just right there. Like I, that's one of the things I have to visit every time I go. Fantasyland shops in particular, I think are very special with the the theming. And then they have uh, the, they, they theme the merchandise to the shop specifically, which I think is very cool. Um, I, I want to, I have to make sure we mention the the resorts at Disneyland Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, there are not one, not two, not three. There are seven different themed resorts. Um, and we won't go too far into this. Maybe, Becky, this is something we could talk about again later on, sort of going mm-hmm. through the best of the best of the resorts. But Disneyland Hotel, which is part of the park, is closed right now for a major remodeling until next year. But there's also the Disney Hotel New York, the Art of Marvel. Um, it's where Mary and I had stayed the Newport Bay Club, which is a nautical-themed resort on the shores of Lake Disney. Again, about 10-minute walk to the parks. Uh, Sequoia Lodge, um, great for young kids, is inspired by the national parks. Hotel Cheyenne, about a 20-minute walk, which is a Wild West sort of Pixar-themed room. The Hotel Santa Fe, based on the New Mexico Southwest style with some cars-themed rooms. And the Dizzy Davy Crockett Ranch, which has no shuttle service, it's a 15-minute or so car ride, which has uh, cabins with with barbecues and sort of this outdoor Fort Wilderness-type settings. There's also a number of partner hotels, which are all near the Disney parks as well. 
They have extra magic hours. They have character meets, great theming. Um, again, the, the shopping delivered to the to the hotel. Really, really love the theming and more importantly, the location of the, the resorts as well. I love that there's so much variety there, but it is within walking distance, so many. So you have the deluxe-ish resorts and a moderate resort and a kind of a value resort, no farther than 20-minute walk away. I love that. And like you said, there are those other resorts that are on the outside. They do have uh, Les Villages, which is about a 25-minute away. Those like villas that are in the area as well. So if you do need more of a, a villa accommodations, that's there too. It's not a Disney resort, but it's one of the quote unquote, good neighbors. Um, but again, total variety. And yeah, we should probably cover it sometime more in, in depth more of, of the differences. Yeah. Yeah. Because even in between where the, some of those partner hotels are and the village is, um, if you're a golfer, there's a, a, right. a Disney golf course within a five minute. I think there's three nine hole courses just within a, a few minutes of the parks. A um, couple of things I wanted to mention too. The Disneyland Paris app is really, really strong. Like, so intuitive, so easy to use. You can do everything right in and from the app, including when we were booking our um, reserved seating for the Lion King show. Uh, I really, really was impressed at, at the quality and the speed and the ease of use, especially for a first-time visitor of the app. Yeah, I enjoyed the app quite a bit. Um, one thing that I have to hit on, and I'm sorry if this was on your list and you skipped it, the Dream and Shine Brighter show. If you guys did not get a chance to that, that is alone a reason to go. I watched it in three days, five times. <laughs> the music, which you can find on iTunes and Spotify, is so inspirational and so moving. Uh, my friend who was talking to me is like, so do you have an emotional attachment to it? By the end of my trip, I would cry listening to it because it represents Disney and Disneyland Paris to me. Um, a couple of things quickly. We had some, um, we really enjoyed some of the the snacks that we had, the, the croque monsieur, and I really liked my um, Nutella Mickey beignet from the mm. cable car bake shop on Main Street, USA. Um, anything else that I missed that you wanted to make sure we mentioned as a reason to go and visit Disneyland Paris. Uh, Disneyland Paris and while the Disneyland Paris resort as a whole, it seems to be in a new renaissance to try to build back up and do things. Uh, one of the things that I hope that at least Marion got to spend time looking at is the gardens of wonder around the hub. That is just these kinetic sculptures that were just so beautiful and they had princesses and sidekicks and everything. And that's the thing they love to do is bring out new things for get to uh, to bring guests in. They never rest on their laurels. So there's always something changing. And to give a quick promotion for Becky, MEI Travel is the best way to go because they know all the information and will always help you plan the best and know which hotel is best for you and your family. Yeah, and I think to your point of, of the park always, you get a sense that the park is in a sense in a state of continuous improvement, right? We especially mm -hmm. see that over on the Walt Disney Studios side of the park. There's a lot of transition that's happening there. Uh, I actually really liked the Disney Studio One building. It's it's a unique 
sort of entrance to the park because you don't sort of walk in and have this sort of grand reveal. The first thing you do is go into this largest, this large um, soundstage. That, but but what I liked about it is it sort of functions as the main street of the park with this unique boulevard, which really is sort of the the boulevard of dreams, right? It has sort of facades fronting on the street on both sides with storefronts that represent um, inspiration from of of some of Hollywood's golden history, like the Brown Derby and the Hepcat Club and and the Coconut Grove and Glamour Girl Cosmetics. Um, Frozen is the, the Frozen inspired park land is going to be coming in 2025 as as part of a a huge fully immersive land so there's a lot that's happening especially on the studios side i think we even see that too in disney village uh, which is home to tons of shopping a lot of different dining in there as well again much like um, disney springs or downtown disney you don't need uh, a ticket to go there but there's you know places to eat and things to do there's a, a 15 screen cinema there as well um we're, we talked about 30-ish of the reasons to go. There are dozens more that I didn't even get to. Obviously, my <laughs> list ended up being way more than 30. But I think what one of the reasons to go is if you've been to World, if you've been to Land, there is something familiar yet wonderfully foreign about this park. You see familiar attractions and layouts, but there is so much to this park that is different and unique to Disneyland Paris, which alone really is a reason to go. You see not just the the, the similarities, but I think that the differences and some of the beauty that this park has that really uh, makes it um, a place that, that not only did I want to go for the first time, but I can't wait to go back again next year. Um, very quickly, each one of you go around. If you had to do your, your number one or your top two or top three, favorites that the reasons to go the things that you would tell somebody here are three reasons to go to disneyland paris what would they be marion becky jeremiah number one is the castle number two are the walkthroughs and number three is the lion king show for me i'm going to say the unique experiences like the drone shows and all of that but um, I'm going to take a different turn on that and say the proximity to Paris, because with the easy transportation, you can turn it into a seven to 14 day vacation really easily by visiting the history and architecture and the beauty of Paris. You can go out to Versailles, the Louvre, the Eiffel Tower. You can even take the channel to London or do a river cruise on the Seine, um, which is another seven day adventure out to the Normandy beaches and then then go to, to Paris. So I think that that's one of the number one reasons is to turn into a true vacation and really experience Paris. I could not agree with you more, Becky. I, I just ran into Paris one day just to experience it. And it's, it's so easy. Um, for me though, Disneyland Paris, it's, it's the visuals like, the park is so stunning. You will never get tired of just walking around and looking. And yes, the castle, Phantom Manor, Nautilus next year, Lou, I'll give you a tour of that. The dragon. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree dragon. with all of you. Um, I agree. Location, location, location. Becky was the first thing on my list. The, the park itself, aesthetically, thematically, storytelling-wise, is beautifully spectacular all those words that we use charming romantic and elegant are appropriate 
and I think um, I, I wanted to say Phantom Manor, but like some of the unique takes on familiar attractions, let's say, um, as well as the ones that are unique to the park. We're going to talk more, Becky, on a future episode, really sort of go maybe a little bit deeper into some of the resorts. Maybe what we'll do, too, is we'll do a live show one night and we'll do a live Q&A about Disneyland Paris. So if you've listened to this very short, very, very high level <laughs> look at Disneyland Paris, well, there is. If you have any questions about planning a trip, what to go, what to expect, tips, whatever it might be, um, and certainly Marion and Jeremiah, you are welcome to join as well if you want to um, share your thoughts. We'll schedule that um, in the future. So stay tuned and we'll do that live. Um, I First of all, Thank you all very much for being here, for helping us reminisce and relive and get excited for our next Disneyland Paris trip. Jeremiah, as you said, uh, so well, a little bit of sucking up, but it was fine. So well, um, <laughs> it is one of the things, if you are looking to go, I, I and I'm not just saying it because Becky's here, but I do, because it is different. And when I say foreign, I don't just mean foreign in terms of if you're coming from the US, a foreign country, but foreign in terms of things are done a little bit differently you really are, um, you, you're best served by having an experienced vacation planner from Mouse Fan Travel help you at no cost to you book and really get the most out of your Disneyland Paris experience. I agree. Doing a maybe three or so days in Disneyland Paris and then a few days in Paris as well really makes for a very special vacation, much like the one that I just shared. And I will never forget. Oh, I'm getting choked up with my daughter. Um, sorry. Um, but it is Disneyland Paris is, is a, uh, is a very, very special place. And, uh, I will also post this in the, uh, WW radio clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. We can talk more about this show, any questions that you might have. And then Marion, Jeremiah, and of course we all know where to find Becky, but each of you let us know, uh, where people can find you. Oh, me uh, first. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm on Instagram, Mary Mangello. That's it. Woo. <laughs> or MaryMangello.com. <gasps> I have a website now. I forgot. <laughs> MaryMangello.com. Forgot I Where made she's that. she's posting her new articles about Walt's toothpicks. No, she's yeah. posting that. That's going on www.radio.com. So that's good stuff. Oh, God. Um, you can find me. Stop. No pictures. Laughingplace.com. Uh, personally, Jeremiah Good on Instagram is my number one place. And I'm also in the uh, clubhouse, love interacting with everybody over there. Yeah, Becky Mankin on all the socials. And of course, mei-travel.com or mousefantravel.com. I will link to any and all of those in the show notes over at wdwradio.com. And if you have a question about Disneyland Paris, you can email me, you can call the voicemail at 407-900-9391 or maybe your favorite memory or experience at Disneyland Paris. Uh, Marion, Becky, Jeremiah, thank you again. Take us out very quickly around the horn, lightning round. If we could just sort of snap your fingers and be in Disneyland Paris right now, what is the one thing you would do? Go. Dragon. Phantom Manor. Manor. Ah, feature to it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just be in the doom buggy going around and around. That, that, that sounds good. Just keep going. Awesome. I got the Vincent Price narration. I love in there. So good. You know what I learned? Jeremiah needs to go without a camera. Yeah. That's, I, I think we need to go in July for Marion and we need to make sure Jeremiah has no camera when he goes back. 
Becky, you and I, we will take. Why don't we take Jeremiah with us? And we'll. It's. It's really. We're doing it for Jeremiah. Live. We, we could, could go because yeah, it's I all for Jeremiah. A, oh wait, then I got to hold the camera. <laughs> <Wait a second. laughs> That's what a tripod for is for. Merci beaucoup, mon ami. Au revoir. Au revoir. Time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World, or maybe this week Disneyland Paris's history, and see how well you pay attention to the details and what you see, hear, remember, maybe even taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. And this week's trivia contest is once again brought to you by you. Because as part of the WWRDO Nation, you help bring every episode of the show to life. All the live broadcasts, the contests and giveaways, they're all thanks to and by, for, with, and about you. And you can find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar per month and get exclusive rewards every month like scavenger hunts, trivia quests, get access to our private Facebook group, participate in our monthly group video calls. There's shirts and stickers and monthly care packages and much more. I appreciate your love and support and friendship and help. And I love being able to give back to you each and every month. I want to thank some new and longtime members, including Brian Lackey, Katie Haynes, Scott Clark, Justine Z, Rick Pierce, Paula Garcia, and Chad Angel. This show does not happen without you and everyone who is part of the Nation family. To find out how to help support the show and in turn our Dream Team project, which benefits the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America, you can visit www.radio.com support. Now, before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, we were talking about Disneyland Paris, much as we are this week. And the question last week was to tell me, when Disneyland Paris opened its doors at 9.01 a.m. on April 22nd, 1992, it actually wasn't known as Disneyland Paris. The question was to tell me, what was the original name of what is currently known as Disneyland Paris? Thanks to so many of you who entered, got this one correct, and knew that the answer is, of course, Euro Disney. And without going too far down the rabbit hole, it was called Euro Disney originally, but for a number of reasons, including low attendance and the association of the word Euro with with work and finances, on October 1st, 1994, Euro Disney changed its name to Disneyland Resort Paris. So I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week you were playing for a WDW Radio mug, a pin, and a prize from Disneyland Paris. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Bailey C. Carter. So Bailey, congratulations. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter this week's Disneyland Paris trivia contest question. So during last week's and this week's show, you might have heard me and some of the other folks gushing about our love of Discovery Land and some of the attractions in there. And Space Mountain in Discovery Land actually didn't open with the park, but in 1995 and opened to a lot of fanfare. So this week, I want you to tell me who sang, what artists, what group, what special guest sang 
at the opening of Space Mountain in Disneyland Paris in 1995. You have until Sunday, June 25th at 11.59 p.m. to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast. Again this week, I'm going to send you a mug, a pin, and another prize from Disneyland Paris. So, bon chance, which I think still means good luck, and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in this week, last week for part one. And whether you are a brand new listener or you've been listening since 2005, merci beaucoup. Thank you very much. I sincerely appreciate you. And I hope you had fun this week. You learned something new and that the show brought a little bit of happiness and Disney magic to you wherever you are. I'm a little under the weather today, so I want to make this quick. Uh, don't forget, I'd love to hear from you if you've ever been to Disneyland Paris. Is it Disneyland Paris on your Disney bucket list? Come be part of the community and conversation over in the clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. Better yet, call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Share your story or your desire to go to Disneyland Paris or the one thing that you'd love to see most, and I'll play your voicemail on the air. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on an upcoming episode of the show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com. You can also connect with me on social. I'm at Lou Mangello on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. I'd love to connect and chat with you there. Of course, I still believe that nothing beats a handshake and a hug. So check out our events page at www.radio.com slash events. Stay tuned for our next meet of the month and other events in Walt Disney World, on land, at sea, and on the road coming very soon. And whether you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, content creator, or brick-and-mortar business owner that's looking to build your business and brand, or if you're looking for a keynote speaker for your business, your event, your conference, or your school, please visit loumangelo.com. Find out how I can help you turn what you love into what you do or leverage customer service strategies from Disney and bring some Disney magic to your event, your company, and your school. And also don't forget about my Momentum Weekend Workshop this September 29th through October 1st in Walt Disney World. Three days, 50 entrepreneurs, an optional Mastermind Monday in an event built around inspiration, education, collaboration, and action. And not all just learning at the event, but doing work in the room so that you come out of the event having made real positive change to your business and life. I'm going to have details and a live video coming up next week where I announce some of our speakers and some of our sessions. But if you are interested in attending Momentum, and we're about 60% sold out already, if you go to loumangelo.com, click on the Momentum tab there, and use discount code PODCAST100 at checkout, you can save $100 off your workshop and your Mastermind Day tickets. The event has sold out every year. I expect once the speakers and sessions are announced, it's going to sell out very, very quickly. And if you have any questions about the event or if it's right for you, please feel free to reach out to me, lou at www.radio.com. And whether you're coming to Walt Disney World, Disneyland Paris, Alani, Disney Cruise Line, Disneyland, anywhere in this big, blue, beautiful world of ours, please go and visit our friends over at mousefantravel.com, my official and recommended travel provider. It's who I recommend because it's who I use and who I have loved for more than 15 years. More importantly, it's who I trust, not just with my family's vacation, but yours as well. 
And finally, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Forward this episode to someone else. Share a link to this or your favorite episode on social or in an email to a friend that you think might enjoy it. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over in Spotify Podcasts or an Apple Podcast. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Ken Brexius, who says it has it all from history to current news. Lou has a unique podcast that is a must have in my Disney listening. And obviously, if you leave a review in Apple Podcasts, unless it's really mean, I will share it here on the show. Don't forget to join me this and every Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.radiolive.com. It's my live video broadcast and chat on Facebook, either from the home office, maybe this week. I'll be out and about in the parks. We'd love to see, chat with, and meet with you there. Uh, and finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you. I appreciate you. I couldn't do any of this without you. You have made a positive difference in my life, and hopefully that has an effect on others and by choosing the good, you have the power to do that for other people as well and create that ripple effect of kindness and compassion and understanding and love. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope that this truly is your best week ever. If you are a dad, brother, uncle, father figure, whatever it may be, I hope that you had a very happy Father's Day. I owe everything that I am and the man that I am today to my dad, who I love and miss incredibly. So, okay, I know I said it was going to be a short outro. Thank you again. I hope that this is your best week ever. So until next time, see ya. Hi, this is Dom Zamponia at Villa Marie Academy in Malvern, Pennsylvania. And we just listened to Lou Mangiello give a speech to our freshmen at Villa Maria. And we're going to hear some of their reactions to what he told them. All right, here they go. Tickets were $3.50 at first, and I'm Lucy Connors. If you believe it, you can do it. I'm Katie Carroll. I'm Sophie from Villa Maria, and I learned to follow my dreams no matter what. Hi, I'm Rita Irvine, and I learned to never give up when the going gets tough. I'm Alexa Clark, and I realized to just be inspired by him. I'm Regan McDevitt, and I learned that Walt Disney never gave up on his dreams. I'm Josie, and I learned to believe in your dreams. I'm Lilia Bellino, and Lou Montello is the best. I'm Annie Straylaw, and I learned that Walt Disney was extremely wise, and we should start listening to him more. I'm Anna Shishkoff, and I learned that we should never worry about competition. All right, that's our students from Villa Maria Academy in Malvern. Lou has been doing our talk here on our trip with our freshmen for six years. Thanks so much.